When I look in the mirror, I don't see wrinkles. When I look in the mirror, I see hair on my head, not my shoulder. Hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the fountain of truth. The fountain of truth about what? Well, the fountain of truth about aging. And we have moved. We have moved across country. And if you are a newsletter subscriber, you know all about my COVID-19 journey across country. No, I didn't have it, thank God. I watched what it was doing in five or six different states and very large cities. And I report to you about it in my newsletter. Now, the newsletter is always free. You simply go to my website, adrianberg.com, A-D-R-I-A-N-E-B-E-R-G.com, and you'll be able to sign up for our weekly newsletter on hints and tips on successful aging. And in this case, my journey across country, getting rid of my stuff and leaving my home of 20 years. Now, how did I do it? Well, I did it because even at age 72, I can just as one of our wonderful guests, Risa Olinsky, the author of Why Walk, was asked, why does she walk 35 to 50 miles in one day? She said, because I can. Well, if you also would like to, then you're really going to be very interested in today's guest. Her name is Tina Woods. She's a woman of many parts. But among those things that she's doing is she has a recent book, very recent. It's called Live Longer with AI. And AI means artificial intelligence. How artificial intelligence is helping us extend our health span. And we're going to talk about what health span means. And live better too. Now, not only is this an important book here for you, but it's an important book all over the world. Tina herself is with us from England. The National Health Service, like our, our National Health Institute here in the United States, with over a million people working there, have asked us to asked her to make this book available to them. And that's a million people across the pond reading how they can live longer with artificial intelligence. And they're in the health services industry. So if they want to know about it, we want to know about it. Tina, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Now, you know, I know that you are the founder of Longevity International, that it's a social enterprise. We'll talk about that in a moment. I know that you're very involved with the health of a nation in the United Kingdom. Uh, and I also know that you are the founder of Collider Health that works with all kinds of, uh, of organizations. But when you went to write your first book, Live Longer with Artificial Intelligence. Why did you pick that? You could have written about aging, honestly, from any angle you wanted. What's fascinated you about that, and what should we understand? Well, so there, there are many um, reasons why I wrote the book on that topic. Uh, for a start, uh, it's at the heart of one of my real interests, which is harnessing technology uh, for good um, in this space. Uh, but actually, I um, and and it's it's as a result of a combination of about three four years where I've, I've actively been very very involved in working with public and private sector organisations on harnessing a harnessing AI in the UK. Uh, 
So I'm doing a lot of work, as you mentioned, NHS, which is our national health service system here, working with the academic health science networks and also with UK research and innovation on a number of public sector projects, looking at how to harness artificial intelligence, you know, both in healthcare, but also in healthy aging and, and longevity. And I actually was approached about a year and a half ago um, to write the book on AI and healthcare. But what I asked the publisher, I said, listen, can we do the book on AI and health? Because actually one of my real interests is, um, is, is, See, is, is, is changing how we think, but also how we do from a system change level, sort of moving sort of the sick care model into the, the health and well-being sort of model. Um, and that's a really, uh, that's fundamentally what drives a lot of the things that I'm doing at the moment. So, so I, want to, yeah, <laughs> I want to explain to everybody this distinction because it's very important. Most mm. of the people listening are either laymen or in some area mm. of social services in the field of mm. aging. And AI has been very useful to them in terms mm. of senior residences, um, taking a look and seeing how older adults are thriving, what they mm -hmm. need, and mm -hmm. data management for digital health. But your, mm -hmm. your book, which I've read twice, goes beyond uh -huh. that. It really goes to what we should be aware of for ourselves personally when we're not ill, when we are living at home and we're thriving. So let's take a look at some of the chapters that have to do with that because after all the subtitle is helping us extend our health span and live better too. There's mm -hmm. a lot of live better in what you're writing about. L let's uh, focus on those chapters because yeah. it's very sure. exciting. Go, go ahead. Well, yeah. So I, I mean, uh, uh, obviously a lot of the book is told through the lens of the, in, uh, the experts uh, and leaders in this space who I interviewed. So there's about 30 people who I interviewed in this book who are an amazing blend of, you know, the futurists, the entrepreneurs, the scientists, um, religious leaders. I, I, inter I interviewed the world's strongest man who swears by epigenetics to guide his performance. So I, it's quite an interesting spread of people. But of course, what I did is there's a, a core narrative throughout the book, which is partly my own personal journey, actually trying to get my head around what this all means and what we all need to do as as citizens, but also leaders in different sectors in society to focus more on preventative health. So it's it's pretty much telling the journey some, from before birth. Um, and I, we look at, you know, the whole basis of life and where we've come from, because there's a whole fact, there's a, an, an incredible amount of research that's even shedding light on where we came and how we originated from bacteria, the whole tree of life, because, of course, that's fundamental in some of the research that we're seeing now in the science of aging, which, you know, still, you know, looks at uh, animal models, you know, from nematode worms, Drosophila flies, right through to mice, as everyone will probably know. Uh, but really, we are all, you know, we all you know, our, our, we all came from these, uh, these, these earlier forms of life. So, and at the, at the root of everything is this, um, you know, the biology of aging, which connects all of us. So the book goes into a little bit of detail around that because in order to understand the hot end of, you know, aging science and where AI is really starting to, to unearth the mysteries of how we get older and what keeps us healthy and well, um, it comes down to understanding that basic biology. So, of course, those animal models are very, very helpful and they're, they're you know, elucidating the whole, you know, the basis of, of aging and life itself. So part of the book is about that. Um, but then I talk, then I go into um, uh, and really the, the thread of the book in, and I go to obviously, you know, you know, to death and beyond. I mean, I speak to transhumanists and the immortalities, immortality. In, immortalist, the immortalist, I guess. Immortalist, right. Like, immortalist. 
Uh, our uh, listeners will know that uh, Dr. Aubrey de Grey was one of our uh, guests, and at one time he was considered an immortalist, and nobody listened to him. Now he's considered a longevitous, and he's getting a lot of uh, a lot of attention. Yes, go ahead. Well, interesting because uh, Aubrey de Grey, of course, is a friend of mine. Of course, he's actually one of the people I interviewed in in the book, and you know, he he's considered, I guess, maverick in a way because he's one of the pioneers, and always the pioneers get a bit of a hard time initially because they're breaking, you know, they're breaking the, the status quo. They're changing how we think about things, and of course, you know, and I would will always say we need those mavericks, and we need the people who are challenging our thinking because actually, what we're now is the current way of doing things and the current thinking is not serving not us very working. well at all. So, so actually Aubrey has you know, been a fantastic uh, pioneer in this space and of course he has, um, you know, has, has fundamentally uh, one of the, the, the people who really sort of uh, set forward the theories of aging. I mean he had the um, there are the nine hallmarks of aging, the seven hallmarks of aging. Um, you know, there are a couple of theories, but, you know, they pretty much are, are you know, consistent in, 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 in many fundamental ways. And, of course, we have the information theory of aging, which is David Sinclair, you know, the Harvard geneticist who just came out with his book. But, you know, fundamentally, it, they're all, you know, really um, uh, defining how we need to see um, aging at its, at its roots and what goes wrong with, you know, cellular damage, you know, disrepair, you know, uh, protein, you know, dysfunction, all the sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, free radicals, all those sorts of different uh, theories that people have been talking about. And it kind of loops them all together and makes it very um, understandable and, and provides the basis for a lot of the research that we're seeing now. Um, but, uh, but of course, yes, so Aubrey, you know, and, and he will say this, and of course, there are many scientists, you know, from a computational biology point of view, for example, who will say that, listen, the developments are, are taking place so quickly now with AI, with, uh, you know, and then we've got edge computing and, you know, quantum, compute, quantum computing now and, and, you know, which are really uh, moving so quickly now that they're saying, uh, some people are saying that by 2045 we'll have reached longevity escape velocity so that the developments are so fast that they'll overtake you know, um, uh, you know, the chronological sort of um, our, our chronological um, pace of aging. And, you know, we might become immortal because they'll have figured out how to stop aging by then. So, um, so, you know, these are all, you know, fascinating. I, I mean, I have my doubts whether 2045 will be the date, the date that we reach that point. But, but, but it does, but what they are saying, which is true, is that uh, the pace of change is only accelerating. And we have no idea what we're going to discover in five years because it is just incredible, you know, the pace that we're seeing things happen. It, there's no way we would have imagined even the things that are happening now, even five years ago. So this is the exciting bit. And, of course, that wonder and that excitement is, you know, is, is, is right. huge. Yeah, that's why I will tell you that when I read the book, I read it and I don't think my mouth closed. It was jaw dropping. <laughs> and that's why everybody out there ought to be reading it. It's live longer with AI. Now, we're going to take a little bit of a break, but I do want to make this connection. Uh, we are talking about healthy longevity. We're not talking about sick longevity. We know how to do that. <laughs> And here in the United States, we spend more money on uh, on healthcare than any other country in the mm -hmm. world. Eighteen percent of our GNP. So yep. many people are listening to you and saying, "I don't even know if I want to live that long because I can't afford it because Social Security will be yep. dead by 2043. So what's the good if I could live forever by 2045, whether Audrey Aubrey's right or not?" When we come back, I want to talk about something that's been a pivot for you. And that's the longevity dividend. 
The fact that yes. we can actually not just live longer, but have better economy if we do. We will be right yeah. back. Don't you guys go anywhere. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the fountain of truth about aging. Now, we're here with a really honored guest, Tina Woods. I have had the privilege of being a speaker at her international conference very, very recently, uh, a global summit on longevity. I have been the uh, the attendee of many of her conferences, including ones that brought together the concept of having an index for corporations showing how age-friendly they are and also convincing them that they will be better off, their economy, their bottom line, and their shareholders will be better off if we live longer, healthier. Now, we know that personally, but we also have to convince, maybe we in the grassroots level have to convince and trickle up this concept. So I want to go back uh, to Tina, and, and I'd like you to talk a little bit about uh, Longevity International. Now, one of the things that you really bring to the fore is the concept of the longevity dividend. And that longevity dividend should be for everybody. You say it right there on your website, access mm. to everyone. So first, Cloacin, yeah. what do you mean by the longevity dividend? And if we have it, why wouldn't everybody have it? Why do we have to fight for access for everybody? So um, the longevity dividend, I mean, that's a, 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 a term that's been used by a number of people and organizations. It, all, it, it can mean a few different things to different people, but ultimately what it is about is bringing the benefits of us living longer uh, to more people, so more equitable access to this dividend, which is basically a measure of um, what living longer well adds both to individual happiness and um, wealth and health, and of course it's all interconnected, but also more widely to society. So, so really, and, and this connects up actually very much to um, another big uh, focus of mine, which is health inequalities, which are linked completely with wealth inequalities. So just going back to the point that you've made um, in the earlier um, section about, you know, we've got places, for example, in the US, but also in the UK, where um, uh, lifespan has actually been decreasing, or certainly in the US and in the UK, we've seen a deceleration of yes. lifespan. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, despite the fact that, um, you know, I mean, in the US, obviously, there's a huge in, uh, investment in GDP that goes into the health healthcare system, and, and likewise in the UK. And, um, and really what we're finding is that um, uh, 
healthy life expectancy, um, there's huge gaps in between poor and rich citizens, and it's very much linked to income um, inequalities and social inequalities. So that's a fundamental um, issue that we have to face. And this has been even more stark, obviously, throughout the experience of living through COVID. Um, and what we're seeing is that, and, and McKinsey actually just uh, came out with a report that had some pretty shocking statistics of really what the cost of ill health is. Because, of course, you know, and that's, uh, it, and it's huge. I mean, um, uh, Ill, the cost of ill health was about 15% of global real GDP in 2017. And the COVID um, pandemic um, will reduce global GDP by 3 to 8% in 2020. Now, health is completely um, linked to um, uh, to wealth, and of course, it's linked to the longevity dividend. So, if you're healthy, a you can um, you can work for longer because ill health is is a very very big reason why people do bow out of the workforce. You know, and, and ill health, you know, it's it's pretty shocking in the UK. I mean, ill health is is uh, especially if you're from a poor area. You know, you're starting to be, you know, you're starting to get ill, you know, in your 50s if you're a woman living in, in the poor areas of the UK. And um, the health inequalities is, is as much between um, the richest and poor citizens is almost 20 years. So that's pretty humongous. So that gap does need to be closed. And that's a focus of a lot of my work with the all party parliamentary group. Um, but just going back to longevity dividend, I mean, what we want to see is that more people are living healthier for longer because what that means is that a they can stay and work for longer if that's what they want to do health gives you um, energy to do other things like volunteering and contributing in, indirectly into the economy if you are more active it means that you actually are more likely to spend in the economy yes. so and and uh that's huge and that's a massive massive uh issue and i will just and another statistic just to throw 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 out is that the Office for National Statistics in the in the UK? They estimate that if the employment rate of people aged 50 to 64 matched that of those aged 35 to 49 uh, through good health, it would add more than five percent to the UK GDP. That's 88 billion pounds. So it's so the, so every increase in working age in terms of the extra GDP gained. Uh, you know, is is a massive um, boost to overall, you know, um, economic sort of success. Right. So this is the point that if you're healthy and you can do more and stay and work for longer and have a more active life and be more productive, it just it kind of is a no brainer. So but what we want to do, and this is where the longevity dividend has to be made more accessible. We want that benefit of all the science, all the technology, all of, you know, government um, policies which are trying to address this to reach as many people as possible and as equitably as, equitably as possible. Yes. So a couple of things that relate this uh, to all of the listeners and to the U.S. in particular and why this is so important. We do believe usually that we lead. This is not hubris. Mm -hmm. We've led many times in many different mm -hmm. arenas. But the fact is that we spend 18% of our GNP on health care. We are basically in the middle of longevity at best in the world not mm -hmm. at the top. Mm -hmm. We're very mm -hmm. low in healthy longevity. See, longevity is just how many years we live mm -hmm. because we can live mm -hmm. now with Alzheimer's for 20 years. So the longevity mm -hmm. statistic is very different from the healthy longevity statistic. We're not yep. in good shape. Yep. COVID showed mm -hmm. us this. All right. Now, I want to bring out two little points here. For those of you who know this show and love the show, you go back to adrianberg.com and you can listen to another guest who Tina knows very well, Dr. Daniel Belsky. Now, he is a U.S. geroscientist looking at uh, poverty, looking at child abuse, 
but from the point of view of longevity, and he has proven and shown, and he's continuing to work on this, that those kinds of environments make people live less healthy and for shorter periods. So that's one real heartfelt reason that we need everybody to have the longevity dividend. But there's another, and this is what Tina says. We can boost our GMP, not just by saving healthcare money, but if we live longer, we buy more. It's as simple and crass as that, and therefore we have a larger okay. GNP. Uh, two, two small points. Number one, we have new legislation called the SECURE Act, which is a tax law, Tina. It was passed mm. by the Trump administration and written by the Obama administration, and it's bicameral, <laughs> both sides of the aisle. What it says is we should have the ability to live longer, and therefore we will be taxed less if we put money away all the way up through our working years. It used to be that mm. we could not put tax-free money away or tax-deferred money away up until only mm. age 72. Now, mm. no matter how long we live, we can have some tax breaks from earnings. Great. We got the tax law before we got the health law. Now we have to, <laughs> yeah, we have to read Tina's book, Live Longer with AI. And each of us individually help ourselves to live longer and take advantage of the SECURE Act. No joke. That's really important. Now, when we come back, yeah. we're going to be talking about what's going on in England. I'm a little jealous. And I said I was jealous. Uh, at the Targeting yeah. Metabesity Conference we did in 2020, we had your good friend and colleague, Lord Filkin, who is the leader mm -hmm. of the uh, all-party parliamentary group on longevity, and we, we issued, he issued, along with you and, and others there, the health of a nation. We don't have mm -hmm. this goal of longevity mm -hmm. in our country. You mentioned prevention. We're very into cure, and in order mm -hmm. to have a cure, you have to have a disease first. So we're looking for people mm -hmm. with diseases, not people with prevention. I want to, to yep. speak with you about mm -hmm. what you're doing and how you were able to pull this off in the UK, and maybe you can help us do that in the US. Don't you guys go anywhere. We'll be right back. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. You may think that I'm full of it. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the fountain of truth, the fountain of truth about aging. Just a little bit of housekeeping for you. Uh, number one, we did finish our four-day conference in October, and that is Targeting Metabesity 2020. You've been hearing about it since maybe last June. We have made a decision. We are going to have a conference again all the way in October. It may even be live in Washington, D.C., as well as virtual. We have to see. COVID will tell us. All will be revealed. But please do visit our website, metabesity2020.com. And if you've missed the conference, you can get all the recordings, a directory, materials, poster sessions. If you're in the field of aging at all, you're going to be very interested. But I did notice that of the 1,000, 1,000 we had, 997, I cannot tell a lie. 
attendees. Many of them were not in the field of aging at all. They were consumers, laymen, listeners to the show, and they loved it, and they loved it. So uh, you will be able to get a transcript if you like to read. You'll get recordings if you like to listen and watch, and you will get a lot of information. Just go to metabesity2020.com and take a look at the section on it's $99, how to, um, how to get all the recordings. Now, in the future, in the future, for most of my listeners, if you're live at these conferences, it's free of charge. So we are also here with Tina Woods, who's one of the spectacular producers of conferences in the field of longevity, uh, one of the founders of longevityinternational.org, the author of Live Longer with AI, meaning artificial intelligence, how artificial intelligence is helping us extend our health span and live better too. So I want to go back now, Tina. Uh, we talked about the longevity <laughs> dividend, and we talked about why that's so important and, and, and how it is basically, I hope, making news here in the U.S., and we will have a national policy one day uh, to mm-hmm. create uh, a moonshot. We call it the moonshot for mm-hmm. healthy longevity. Mm-hmm. But you already have that moonshot in the U.K. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell mm-hmm. us about how you were able to engineer a consensus and a group mm-hmm. that's looking at it mm-hmm. and your latest yeah. report. Now, this is new, folks. This started in t- around 2019. This is not old news. So they're at the beginning of it, and maybe we could learn a lot. Let's hear about it, Tina. Absolutely. So the Health of the Nation strategy, um, the strategy to deliver five extra years of healthy life expectancy while minimizing health inequalities, was published in February this year. So right before we then got struck with COVID. Um, But it was a culmination of about nine months of fast and furious work um, that Lord Filken and I um, led, co-led, um, uh, under the, um, uh, along with many, many other experts and scientists and uh, groups around the UK to formalize a strategy. But its roots, um, and it's important to give a little bit of context and background to this. In 2017, the UK government published the Industrial Strategy, and in that strategy were four grand challenges. So those four grand challenges, and this is where in government we're going to put their investment and sort of um, emphasis behind this strategy in four areas, which were AI and data, clean energy, mobility, and the aging society. Now, um, from that came a number of other initiatives and investments, um, one of which was the Healthy Aging Industrial Strategy Challenge Fund, which was a pot of money, about 100 million pounds, in that bucket of the aging society that was going to be dedicated to healthy aging. So I started actually working um, with my, at uh, the time with Eric Kilstrom, who is the interim director of, the, of the, the challenge fund. And our brief was to excite the business community to get involved with this government money to seed the development of the healthy aging uh, marketplace, you know, to really inspire and get people to really think about what they can do and the sort of products that business could, could provide. So that was a piece of work that started, you know, a couple of years ago. But what I realized, um, and, uh, and, and, a, and, and quite a few of us, is that there are a couple of things. 
A, while there is this government investment going into this space, there was no real action plan to deliver on the manifesto goal, this government goal that was set around the same time, the five extra years of health and life expense. So while there is money being put forward, there is no real strategy to make sure that that money and that investment, that energy was actually going to be used to best effect. So, um, so that's when uh, the all-party parliamentary group was formed, um, and, and Right Honourable Damien Green, who spoke at the international conference that you mentioned, so he is the chair of that group, and under the auspices of the all-party parliamentary group, so this is a cross sort of political um, party group, we then pulled together the, 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 the individuals and the, and the groups and the experts to really have a look at what really was going to be the handful of things that were really going to drive and shape uh, the impact um, and the way that we could secure this goal of five extra healthy years. Um, minimizing health inequalities by 2035. So um, by February this year, and so it's quite a, you know, it was very, very fast and and and, and furious. And as recent, I mentioned. and very um, recent. Very recent. Um, but we pulled it. We pulled it together with with a lot of um, energy and commitment from many, many individuals, um, and published this strategy, which got a lot of attention. And actually, the interesting thing was, and I'll come on to what was in that strategy in a second. But what was interesting is that as we were seeing the effect of COVID come through with the data, we realized that our recommendations were even more resonant and more compelling and more urgent because it really focused and a lot of it was very much on um, preventative health. Because really what we've got, and unfortunately we've got a system at the moment, this is why we do need the system change and, and, and COVID might actually be the trigger to initiate the system change. As you pointed out, we have a system that's much more focused on the cure. Prevention is always going to be better than the best cure. So we have to, and this is what COVID is teaching us, we must keep in better health. And um, and this is at the heart of the health of the nation strategy. And what we're seeing, unfortunately, because health is equipped, it, it, it links it's completely with the wealth of the nation. So, and this is what is, and, and, and um, we have to address the inequalities because, and this is where healthy longevity and health span for all people is, is absolutely and has to be behind and the, 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 the massive focus of our goal. So in terms of the sorts of specifics, you so know, we knew uh, that. I just want to tell the audience something that they may not realize and that maybe you don't realize because you're very mm -hmm. knowledgeable about what's going on in the UK. You know, the, mm -hmm. uh, the four pillars, let's say, of what your government mm -hmm. came up with, energy, mm -hmm. And so on. Mm -hmm. We have nothing like mm -hmm. that. We don't do that. But mm -hmm. we do have something yeah. in aging itself. We have the Washington mm -hmm. Conference on Aging. And unfortunately, it only mm -hmm. comes up every 10 years. It's like a groundhog. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it comes up yeah. only. But this, in this case, 10 years. The last one was 2015 under mm -hmm. Obama. Now, what they do is what your government did with all issues, environment, and aging and mm. many others, but they only mm. do with aging. They say, here is what we're going to focus on and give money to. So under Obama, mm. I was there under Obama at the Washington mm. Conference on Aging. It was Social Security, saving Social Security. All right. Mm. It was mm. elder abuse. Mm. Elder abuse became a federal mm. crime. It was mm -hmm. that tax mm -hmm. law that I mentioned called the SECURE Act so mm -hmm. that people who were working longer could save money. And the last thing, mm -hmm. it was called the sharing eco economy. And they actually had Uber mm -hmm. and Airbnb mm -hmm. there in Washington to sh explain what is the sharing economy. And so what we're trying to do, mm -hmm. the next one is 2025. That means mm -hmm. it could be Biden, maybe yeah. not Biden. You don't know, right? Uh, yeah. But they will have it. 
and what we want to accomplish is what you you've accomplished and that mm -hmm. pillar to be healthy longevity in the next five years in your case it was five mm -hmm. years longer to living healthier we'll come up with something too so that's why yeah. folks what tina yeah. woods is doing and you're hearing it from the person who is doing it with the government and all the stakeholders we want to do here when we come back what we want to do is what you had promised which was to dissect what you came up with and see how it fits in to what we can accomplish here and you as voters now know that your vote counts so don't you go anywhere you're going to want to hear this you may think that i'm full of it but that doesn't bother me not even a bit because i am happy and i freely admit i'm inappropriate for my age da -da -da -da. Now, hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the fountain of truth about aging. Those of you who follow me in my newsletter, which is every single week, will know that I have just sold my belongings or took whatever I really wanted. That was an easy decision to make. Send them across country. They're not here. I'm living in a timeshare, probably for about a month, because COVID makes it difficult to get anything across country. They don't have enough drivers. And I'm starting a new life in Palm Springs. But I am not starting a new life vis-a-vis -vis you. We will have our newsletter out as we have done. We didn't miss a week, even on the road. We'll have our podcasts out. We didn't miss a week, even on the road. And I'll continue to fight for you to have the most successful aging possible and to start preparing for it with glee and uh, and hopefulness, even in your 20s. So we are there. Now take a look at our brand new website. We have a new website out. It combines our blog, our, our work on the radio, our conferences, many other things. And it's very simple. It's adrianberg.com, A-D-R-I-A-N-E-B-E-R-G.com. So one of the things that I pride myself on is getting you guests that you could never hear anywhere else. And uh, today we have one of those. We have a leader, a true international leader in the field of longevity and aging, in the field of the longevity dividend, what it means to the GNP of every single country in the world, and a leader in uh, longevity equality. And as I think Tina Woods would agree, it's one thing when inequality gives us less stuff because we have less money. It's another thing when inequality gives us less time on this planet compared to people uh, of means. That's just not fair. And that's one of the things that we're trying to stop. But we're behind. We're behind other countries like Singapore, uh, like the UK, like the Netherlands. And we're catching up. And we're pretty good at catching up. We'll make it happen. But Tina, you have come up very recently, right before COVID, with the report called The Health of a Nation. That's a UK report. Your book, Live Longer mm -hmm. with AI, is on Amazon, and it's for everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is so important that your own national uh, health services, a million people, have asked that that book be provided for them, and they're already in the health industry. So as I said, I've read it twice. It's done a lot for me because it, is, it has explained to me how I'm aging, why I'm aging, and what I can personally do about it, as well as what I can do to help the world with regard to it. So this health of a nation 
was kind of your organizing uh, a premise of how, as a nation, we can get ahead of the curve. Mm. What's in it? Explain to folks what's in it, what you came up with. Right. So um, the process, and it's important to mention the process a little bit, just because it was very deliberately, very cross-sector in the whole way that we tackled it. So it was policy, science, business, you know, pu public sector, you know, the NHS, you know, which is our national health service, um, behavioral experts. So we all came together to look at this. And that's what was so important. And I think any approach needs to do that. Um, we also did it fast because, of course, things are changing really quickly, and especially with science and technology. So, uh, so that was also a, a fundamental. And actually, what we're doing now is we're synthesizing everything at quite a, a fast pace as well. But in in our strategy, and um, which is which, you know, coming out of COVID, we've, we've had to obviously focus on a few of the recommendations which we could while the NHS. Um, you know, our National Health Service and, of course, government were busy trying to, you know, wrestle with the pandemic, which, of course, we're still wrestling with because we're in, the, in a period of our second lockdown. Um, you know, we haven't had it up easy either. I mean, we've got a lot to learn yeah. also from other countries still. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but I think the, a couple of things just to mention in terms of I'll, I'll lay out sort of the broad parameters of what was in the strategy. And, of course, everyone can have a look. It's on, on the website, um, uh, too. But um we knew that we needed to be, um, we need to have our prime minister behind it. So, of course, that's important. Of course, Matt Hancock, he is our secretary of state for health and social care. He was at the launch of the report um, and has also put his, his commitment and backing behind one of our core recommendations, which is the um, business coalition for a healthier life. So we've just launched that. It's called Business for Health. And I'll come on to that in a second. Um, but we knew we had to get uh, government behind this and very cross sector as well. So a, a health and all policy sort of approach, which is actually very much how New Zealand um, tackles things, because what they have done, which is very interesting, it's a model for all of us to have a look at, and of course they've done quite well with the pandemic response, right. is that they have well-being approach to government. So it's, they don't measure the success of how they operate via GDP. It's through their well-being index. So they focus their government priorities around the well-being of the nation, which has focused them on poverty, mental health, and homelessness, for example. So it's very, very interesting. And what they do is they get all the government departments in a very cross-sector way, which is basically one of our core recommendations. Because, for example, living longer, healthier is connected to the living greener agenda. So clean energy, uh, sorry, clean energy, clean air, active travel, you know, dealing with obesity at a young age and getting, you know, kids active, you know, it's all kind of interconnected around the, the climate change agenda, which is a really, really interesting um, proposition because that feeds into one of the ways in which we're, we're um, developing the Business for Health initiative, taking lessons from climate change. Right. They actually. did a very good job. Uh, they did a good job of making change and we really need to emulate uh, them. We, so what we are arguing, we, we feel that this is as important as the climate change space. So we're, we're 10 years behind the climate change agenda, but COVID certainly is throwing into very, very yeah. sharp focus how importantly we have to our health. Health is our greatest asset. We have to protect it. And it's national, it's regional, it's in our homes, it's international, it's global. It's interconnected with planetary health and biodiversity. You know, we, we are seeing, we, human beings are part of a much bigger in, you know, planetary, it's it's a whole One Health agenda that I know the Centers for Disease Control sort of, you know, have uh, sort of yeah. anchor their, their, their focus around. So one Health is where it's at. Preventative Health is where it's at. Um, and so that's a big focus of Health and Nation. In fact, what we've argued for is the NHS, our National Health Service, only spends 5% of its budget on prevention. We are arguing that it must go up to 15%. Um, 
in the next 15 years. So 1% increase per year was, was the original idea in our Health the Nation strategy. Of course, coming out of COVID, you know, we've got some other uh, thoughts around what that might look like. But basically, we have to spend more money on, on health prevention as a government. But, in, but more importantly, in, in many ways, is the long-term sustainable money and capital that needs to go into this needs to come not just from government, but we're talking big money and capital markets, you know, um, you know sovereign health funds, you know, uh, pension funds, you know, the, that big money that needs to be invested over the long term in preventative health is absolutely crucial. So this is fundamentally part of the rationale for why we set up Business for Health is actually to do what the climate change um, agenda is doing, is guiding business investment innovation in line with ESG mandates. So this is where the link with you know, UN, UN sustainability goals, and of course, what the global, um, what the World Economic Forum has been talking about with this global reset, you know, new form of stakeholder capitalism, much more sustainable approaches to uh, to business, you know, and, and seeing, you know, seeing everything in context as a much wider sort of stakeholder approach, you know, taking all this is, is so fundamental and so important, especially coming out of COVID. So that's a big part of how we're seeing now, things. Gina, much more as we get to the end yeah. of our, our show today, I know that there is a website that folks can take a look at mm. and see, uh, because this is all very transparent. Can you send everybody to that website? Absolutely. So so the, the, the all-party parliamentary group website um, is very easy to find. All you have to do, well, you can just Google all-party parliamentary group for longevity or APPG for longevity. And the website address is APPG-longevity.org. So everything is on that website, including uh, if you go into events and publications, it has a summary of what we're doing with Business for Health, and it has its own website as well, which just launched last week. And our other initiative, which is also very important to mention, which is the Open Life Data Group, which is opening up the whole view of data into healthy data sets um, and, and versus sick data sets, which, of course, is the focus of, of right. what we were talking about before of, of agenda. So, um, so this is a, actually a very, very important part of of of, uh, of the uh, health of the nation work is this much wider view of the data economy, the data ecosystem. Um, uh, you know, and this feeds into some of the themes that are in my book around aging biomarkers and uh, you know how we can actually uh, understand how we age, how we keep healthy, all the interventions data-led innovations that can keep us healthy and well. That's why big tech are investing so heavily in health. And what we're doing is proposing alternative data models uh, to harness data for public good. So what we have here as we end this show is really a triumvirate, maybe a, a trifecta. We have the government, we have private business, and we have us. And mm -hmm. we are all equally mm -hmm. powerful. And that's what I want to point mm -hmm. out here. And we have a deadline of 2025 to make a difference for healthy longevity for all. Now, you want to start with yourself. Always start as the great philosopher Michael Jackson said, start with the man in the mirror. So live longer with AI. You'll start by reading that. You can get that on Amazon. Tina Woods is the author, our great guest. And then you stay with me because as the executive director of the Catalyst Institute, we have a moonshot mission to do what's been done in the U.K., so that we really, within the next five years, all have healthier longevity for at least five years. But, you know, we're very competitive in the mm -hmm. U.S., so we're going to say for six years. You've got only five-year program <laughs> in, in the U.K. And for everybody else, I know that, it, it, as Tina said, it's the second wave of COVID here, too, as well. So many of you are very sequestered. 
Just remember that this area of aging is not about being old. As Tina said, as Dr. Mm -hmm. Belsky said, it starts almost in the womb. So this is for you to tell mm -hmm. all of your loved ones and start zooming about it and let everybody know that age maintenance and reversal is possible. Send them to live longer with AI and remind them that the end of the subtitle is not only extending health span, but living better too. So thank you so much, Tina. We're going to sign off for now as we always do. I know you're staying in, but I'll do the usual. Get out there, kids, and make it happen. Make it happen. See you next week. I need a proper